Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the golden calf as we pick up in Exodus chapter 32, verse 18. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Moses said, it's not the voice of those that shout for mastery, neither the voice of those that are crying because they're overcome. But I hear the noise of singing. And it came to pass, as soon as they came close to the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hands and broke them beneath the mount. And he took the calf which they had made. He burned it in the fire. He ground it into powder. And he put the powder in water. And he made them drink the water. There, drink your God. And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot, You know the people that they are set on mischief. For they said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. And I said unto them, Whosoever has any gold, let him break it off. So they gave it to me, and I cast it into the fire, and there came out this calf. Hocus pocus, dominocus. Aaron, shame on you. And when Moses saw the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked to their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him, and he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side, and go in and out from the gate to gate throughout the camp, And slay every man his brother, and every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. That is, those who were leading in this blasphemous sacrilege. And the children of of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. For Moses had said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, even every man upon his son and upon his brother, that he may bestow a blessing this day. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said to the people, You have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up unto the Lord. Peradventure I shall make a covering for your sin. And Moses returned to the Lord, and he said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Now we see Moses in the position of an intercessor offering intercessory prayer before God. Intercessory prayer is that form of prayer that reaches out beyond me and my own needs to bring a guilty world before God, that God might work in it. Prayer has three forms, basic forms, variations within each. The first is worship, praise, adoration, acknowledging God for who He is. It's something that goes on constantly in my heart, day by day. My awareness of God, my consciousness of God, 
my worship of God for his goodness, for his blessings, for his mercies, for his love, for all that he is to me and all that he means to me, for the beauties of the world, for the beauties of his presence and grace in my life, that continual thanksgiving within my heart because God loves me. But then prayer has a second form of petition where I bring before God my needs, my request. I need strength. I need guidance. I need help. I need wisdom. I need so many things. And I come before God that he might supply my needs. But then prayer moves into the realm of intercession where I bring before God your needs. I bring before God the needs of the community. I bring before God the needs of this nation, the needs of the world, intercessory prayer. And no prayer is really complete except it enter into the area of intercession, and we really need real intercessors. If you want a book to really understand intercessory prayer, Reese Howell's book, the Intercessors, fantastic. Just a beautiful prayer book on intercessory prayer. Reese Howell, The Intercessor. I believe that one of the greatest needs today really is for people to really have the ministry and exercise the ministry of intercessory prayer. More things are wrought through prayer than the world will ever know the real power behind the scenes. How I thank God for the 130 men in the church who are engaged in the intercessory prayer all night long, each night of the week. God bless these men. What a power they are for good in this whole community as they intercede in their ministry of intercessory prayer. No wonder God is working so marvelously because of the intercession that is going up day and night continually. Moses is in intercessory prayer. The first thing is the confession of the sins of the people. Confession of sin is so important because without confession there can be no forgiveness. Unless you confess your sins to God, there's no way God can forgive your sins. If you try to hide your sins, there's no forgiveness. You try to cover your sins, there's no forgiveness. Whoso seeks to cover his sin shall not prosper, but whoso shall confess his sin, the same shall be forgiven. Many times we're trying to cover our guilt. We're trying to make ourselves look not quite so guilty. We're trying to sort of gloss over the sin, the guilt in our lives, that it doesn't look as bad as it really is. And as long as we're seeking to do a snow job on God, we're never going to get anywhere. It's only when you're honest and open with God and you openly confess your sin and your guilt before God that now you open the door for God to work 
Now can God forgive because you've been open and you've confessed your sins. And if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But it's not until there's been that open confession of sin that God can work and do it. Be open with God. Be honest with God. Confessing. Moses confessed the sin of the people. And then Moses said, Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin. Notice that line, the dash with the semicolon. That dash with the semicolon indicates a passing of time, how much time we don't know. But an interim of time passed as Moses was waiting for God to answer. And he waited, and he waited, and there was no voice from heaven. There was no voice of grace or mercy. There was no voice declaring, I will forgive, I will cleanse, I will pardon. And Moses waited. And it seemed like the silence was a refusal by God. If thou wilt forgive their sin, no answer. Maybe God won't forgive. Maybe there's a refusal. So Moses goes on to say, If not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. Jesus speaks to the church of Sardis, declaring, He that overcomes, I will not blot his name out of the book of life. Moses is asking for his name to be blotted out of the book of, that God has written, the book of life, if God will not forgive the sins of the people. This certainly shows to us a depth of love that very few of us can really comprehend or understand. Where Moses, for the sake of the people, could wish himself blotted out if God won't forgive them, then forget me. Where Moses is willing to take the place with the guilty people and to stand with the guilty people. But again, where did this love come from? It wasn't natural with Moses. When God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush and told him to go and lead these people out of Egypt, he had he really wanted nothing to do with it and nothing to do with them. He was satisfied where he was. They had already given him a bad time, and he wanted nothing to do with it. And so he began to offer to God all kinds of excuses why he could not go and lead them out of Egypt. And God answered every one of his excuses. I can't speak. All right, Aaron can be your mouthpiece. They won't believe me. All right, take the rod and I'll work miracles with it. And after God answered every one of his excuses, Moses said, God, please send someone else. I don't want to go. Moses really didn't have any desire to go and get involved. But God put it in his heart. And the compassion and the love that Moses had for these people was something that God had placed in his heart. That is why it is sheer folly for us to try to generate compassion. It's got to come from God, that kind of compassion. You can't generate. You can't say, oh, I'm just going to love everybody. 
you're going to find more hatred in your heart than you've ever known was there. The moment you start out from the door with a determination in your mind, I'm going to love everybody today, just going to be a picture of love today, going to love everybody. Man, I'll tell you, you'll not get three blocks from your house until somebody will swerve in front of you and cut you off and you'll be, you come back here, where'd you get your driver's license, you know, and, and where's the love, you know. This kind of compassion can only come from God, the work of God. So don't exalt Moses. Exalt God who gave him this great compassion. Paul said much the same thing. I could wish myself a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Hard for me. I cannot, I cannot say that. I do not have that kind of compassion. I pray God give me more compassion for the lost. I have sort of an attitude, hey, man, if you want to be stupid and go to hell, that's your business. Because I know that I can't turn you or save you or do anything about it. I mean, if you're determined, you know, what can I do? But I desire a greater compassion. I think that that's one of the needs of the church today is a greater compassion for the lost. We just couldn't sit by complacently and see the, the terrible condition of the lost around us without being more moved, without being touched, without being burdened, without being driven to a greater witness unto them. Oh God, give me a heart like thine, a compassion for those that are lost. Compassion of John Knox. Oh, God, give me Scotland or I'll die. Oh, God, give me the United States or I'll die. A real burden for soul. We don't have it. We don't possess it. May God give it to us, a great burden for lost souls that we too might become intercessors because that is the secret behind all intercession is that great love and burden for the lost. That's always the underlying factor of a great intercessor. It begins with the compassion, begins with the love. It's expressed in intercession. Now, Moses' request was a foolish request. Blot my name out of your book of remembrance. Moses, that's foolish. That's off the wall. The Lord said unto Moses, Moses, that's off the wall. Whosoever has sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Don't ask me to blot your name out. That's ridiculous. I'll blot out the names of those who have sinned against me. There was a time when the Lord spoke to me somewhat the same way as he spoke to Moses. When my mother was dying, I went into her bedroom and I sat there for a while looking at her as she was suffering, trying to understand, in my heart crying out to God. I looked at those neat hands, those beautiful hands, and I thought of all the pies and the cookies and the rolls and all that those hands had baked for my pleasure. I thought of all the times that those hands had wiped my forehead when it was hot and sweaty with a fever. 
I thought of all of the ministry of those hands for me and my benefit, the clothes that were washed with those hands and hung out and brought in and folded. All of the beds that those hands had made for me. And I just sat there weeping. Such a beautiful person. One of the dearest persons I've ever known. And to see her suffering was more than I could take. To know that night and day she could not sleep because of the pain. And I went over to the foot of the bed and I fell on my face before God. And I said, Lord, I'm no hero. And I'm not demanding that you heal her. It's, she's, she's yours. Her life is yours. She belongs to you. But God, I can't stand to see her suffer anymore. And though I'm not a hero, Lord, would you please take her pain and put it on me for today, and I'll be glad to bear the pain all day for her so that she can have relief today. I'm not asking for it forever, but Lord, for today, let me bear it for her so she can have one day's relief. And Jesus came to me, and he stood right by my side. He said, Chuck, that's off the wall. He said, I already bore her pain for her. There's no need for you to do it. And I said, Lord, forgive me for such a off-the-wall statement. I know you bore her pain. I thank you for bearing her pain for her. And in that very moment, my mother sort of sighed. And she said, oh, the pain is gone. And she never experienced a moment's pain after that. For all of a sudden, I saw the greatness of God and the power of Jesus Christ rather than the ugliness of the cancer. And I realized what are a few Malign cells against the mighty creative force and power of God in Jesus. But we are human and we are prone to sometimes make statements to God that are off the wall as Moses. Lord, blot my name out. God said, oh, come on, Moses. Whoever sins against me, those are the names I'm going to blot out. Yet the expression behind it, surely the compassion that was there, the willingness of Moses has to be admired. We can admire the work that God is able to do in changing a man from a cold, calloused position. The children of Israel, let them suffer in Egypt. I could care less. Let me alone. I'm happy and content here in the wilderness. From that not wanting to get involved to such a compassion that he'll say, Lord, forgive their sins, and if not, then blot, I pray thee, my name out of your book. I'll tell you, that kind of compassion, it only can come from God and a work of God, but I admire the work that God is able to do in each of our lives in transforming us and changing us and taking us from a noncommittal kind of a don't care, does not get involved, to just a complete involvement in the needs of the world around us as we intercede and pray for God's help for this sick people 
and this sick nation. Therefore now go and lead the people into the place which I have spoken unto thee. Behold, my angel shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. And the Lord plagued the people because they had made the calf which Aaron made. May the Lord bless you and give you wisdom and understanding as you realize that Christ is now our tabernacle. He is the place where we meet God. You cannot meet God apart from Jesus Christ. The place of meeting. And now this is a place where God will meet you, even Jesus Christ. Silver, the metal that was used in the sockets, is the metal of redemption in the scriptures. Gold is the metal of heaven, deity, and brass is the metal of judgment. So as you get into these metals, you'll see the place of the silver in redemption, the place of gold, the place of God's presence, and the place of brass, the place of God's judgment against sin. And it all has beautiful symbolism. The colors also have their symbolism. return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Exodus on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Exodus 32 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Now may the Lord be with you and guide and bless your life and keep you in the love of Jesus Christ. And may he increase your burden for the lost. May the anointing of God rest upon your life that you might hear his voice, that you might do his work, that you might walk in his path. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Sometimes it's difficult to know what to say or how to help someone who is going through a recent death in the family or a sudden tragedy that's happened. And it's in times like this that we want to be used by God to bring encouragement, hope, and most of all, love to our family and friends who are going through a hardship. That's why I'd like to tell you about a book by Chuck Smith 
called When the Storm Hits. I'm amazed when I read this book that it's able to encourage and strengthen a person and persuade them to look to Jesus and not at their problem. It encourages us to be patient, not to lose hope, and when the storm hits, to get anchored on Jesus, the rock, and don't let go. To order a copy of Chuck Smith's book, When the Storm Hits, please call the word for today at 800-272-9673. Or you can visit us online to read a preview of the book by visiting thewordfortoday.org.